Welcome to Spirit in Action. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and each week we bring you visits and conversations with people doing healing work for this world, hearing what they're doing and what inspires them and supports them in doing it. Welcome to Spirit in Action. Today for Spirit in Action, I want to look at what is, to me, a great ray of hope in the community, at a time when the news from Washington, D.C. can be so discouraging. For those of a progressive bent, the dramatic change in the character of the U.S. House of Representatives in 2018 was heartening, but here in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, the winds of change blew earlier in 2018, with significant shifts in our county board as well as our city council. I'm going to be talking today to three people recently added to our county board in hopes to encourage folks nationwide to take control of the local agenda for the good of the community. We'll be speaking to Don Maury and Sandy McKinney after we sit down with Martha Neiman in her living room to talk about world healing through local county government. Martha, thank you so much for joining me again for Spirit in Action. Well, thank you very much for asking. Last time I had you on for Spirit in Action, it was because of your work as a midwife, but you've now gone on to another stage in your life. Could you talk a little bit about that transition? Particularly, I'm interested in why you've chosen to become a member of the county board. Well, I've been retired from midwifery going on three years now, and it was uh, meaningful work, and I enjoyed it, but I felt it was time to move on at my age and do some other things that are important and meaningful in my life. So I can't say that I had time to spare, but it's part of retirement is nice that you can choose to do things that you want to do that aren't necessarily retired to income. So you can devote time to things that maybe had been put by the wayside when you were busy making a living. I had never thought about being in any kind of government position, but Some friends came to me and asked if I would be willing to run for a vacant seat on the county board. I had to think a couple of days. I did some inner searching and discerning to see if this is an effort that I wanted to devote time and energy to, because I'm very particular about that now. I want to make sure that what I'm spending my time on is something that is important to me. I came out of that process thinking that here was an opportunity to give back to the community, to reach out and meet other people and work for ways to improve our community life. Of course, you were doing that already as a midwife. There's so much important research that shows that the care that we give from our kids starting up, the first three years in particular being crucial, that it makes such a difference. So you had an important part in doing that already. I also know you as a woman's advocate, a strong sense of raising up the female. Did that have any part in the people asking you or in you saying yes to seek out a place on the county board? I can't say that working specifically on women's issues was a motivation But those that came to me had an interest in balancing the composition of the board to make it more equitable as far as male and female was concerned. So what are the numbers like, male, female, that kind of balance? Has that been affected by election last year? 
I'm thinking that the number of women on the county board has doubled since the last election. What were the other motivations that you had? What were the kind of policies, concerns that you had to join the county board? I think my motivation is more general than specific. It's not that I had particular issues to address, but a more general concern with the way our civic life has been handled nationally, wanting to do what I can to be a good citizen and to develop policies and ways of working together as a community that is expressive of more justice you know, for all. There's so much going on nationally. The turmoil is very disturbing. There's a lot of abuse of power. Decisions are being made, which in my view are detrimental to individuals, to groups, to the environment. I have concerns for preservation of democracy, for everyone to have a part in deciding how their lives are going to be. I was feeling very helpless to do anything on a national level. So when an opportunity came up to act locally, I thought this would be a good a good opportunity to make a difference, to meet with others, to work on the kinds of problems that affect us directly. So can you get specific on this, Martha? Part of it is I'm wondering what you can do at the local level as opposed to at the state level as opposed to at the federal level. What kind of issues have you been able to address and maybe tilt the balance in a healthier way for our community? Having a background in the medical field, a main concern for me is the health and well-being of the citizens in our community. So I've been fortunate to be appointed to the county board's Human Services Committee, as well as to the Eau Claire City County Board of Health. I have an opportunity, both of those bodies, to address influences on people's health directly, to give some guidance as far as what actions can be initiated to address very common and concerning health issues such as mental health and the concern about the meth epidemic and opioid abuse, substance abuse issues. I've become familiar with the effect of early childhood trauma on not only that experience at that time of life, but the effects that that kind of abuse has on children as they grow and actually its relationship to chronic diseases, mental health issues in adulthood. I'm also concerned about the environment. Climate change is real. At this point, efforts have been made, but we need to do more to address preserving the environment. It's been very rewarding to see the county board support the resolution to develop a carbon fee dividend program to address fossil fuel emissions. I was happy to be a part of the county board vote to support a resolution discrediting and advising against conversion therapy for LGBT minors. It's also been good to hear the debate and be a part of the action taken to study the effect of CAFOs on the county environment. A concern I have is also related to those that are disadvantaged economically. Before I was on the county board, the county had voted in favor of a living wage, 
The action of the state made that not enforceable, but I was proud to be part of the vote that failed to repeal that bill. So it's it's not an enforceable ordinance, but at least there's a statement on the books that county board believes that a living wage is fair and is a necessary thing in order to support the citizens and their well-being. An extension of that, as a concern that I have, the county board hasn't hasn't addressed that yet. There is a statewide initiative by the Citizens Action of Wisconsin, WISDOM, the Wisconsin Council of Churches, to support legislation in Madison to adopt a goal of decreasing childhood poverty by 50% in 10 years and to decrease racial disparities by 50% in 10 years. So that's something that I hope can be addressed by the county board in the way that it can. Folks are speaking with Martha Neiman. I think it's been eight months now. She's been on the county board of the county of Eau Claire in Wisconsin. So she's been getting something of a civic education, I think, as well. One of the things I think is interesting, Martha, since you're a Quaker, and when we make decisions, we make them in unity. And you're now working with a group that probably follows some version of Robert's Rules of Orders and votes frequently by 50% or 60% or something, and then a decision is carried. How do you sit with that? How does that feel to you when you're trying to make decisions not as a unity, but as one subgroup against another subgroup? That's really funny because I was expecting that Robert's Rules of Order and you know everything has to be done in a very particular way, which doesn't sound like the moving of the spirit that happens in a Quaker meeting that is discerning a particular path. I think the actual voting, that's probably, in the end, the main difference. Quakers don't vote, so it's not that, okay, you know, this decision was passed six to five, like it is in a a meeting like the county board. Interestingly enough, what I found in learning more about Robert's Rules of Order was that the purpose is to give everyone a chance to be heard. And the conduct of Robert's Rules of Order actually is a lot like Quaker process. Namely, the county board supervisors are not supposed to be debating with each other and returning argument per argument. The intent is for the supervisor to speak to the chair or the group to speak to the center. That's a lot like Quaker process. That's been my impression, that supervisors are required to listen hopefully with an open mind, to what is being said. And then each needs to make a decision about where they stand, which is also a Quaker value. Quakers act from the inner light, and I think that that's what happens in a a county board meeting. The supervisors have to take in the information and listen to what their hearts and minds say, then take a stand. I think the final decision of the vote, that's the main difference. One of the things that has been most meaningful to me in participating in the county board is the forum that exists for sharing of different points of view. I think that that's something that has suffered in our country as a whole over the last at least decade, that people just don't listen to each other anymore. And one thing I've really appreciated about the county board meetings is that all different points of view or at least many different points of view are presented there. And so the county board supervisors have an opportunity to hear all of the different aspects that need to be considered in making a decision. 
it's very apparent to me that there are hardly any issues that are black and white. There's always multiple facets that need to be considered in, in making a decision. And so what happens is at the county board is that kind of dialogue can take place. There is opportunity for the public to come and voice their concerns, and that's very valuable as well. When I get asked in advance, how do I stand on a particular issue, I can't say most of the time, I'm absolutely this way, because when I go to the meetings, I hear things that may change my point of view. And in the end, we have to make a decision based on what seems to be right and taking into consideration all the tensions that exist in a particular issue. You are now, Martha, eight months into a two-year term. Are you feeling increasingly hopeful about our society, decreasingly hopeful? I mean, how do you see it sitting in that special seat? There's a lot of people who really have very little sense of what local government does. They have a very little sense of the possibilities for civic involvement in running our country. Since you've been doing this now for two-thirds of a year, has it changed your outlook on our society? I went into being a county board supervisor as an absolute newbie about county government. I can't even say that I know that much about what city government does either. And so I've been absolutely amazed at all of the services that the county provides in all sorts of areas that affect community life. I've been very impressed with all the people that are working so hard to do the right thing and to provide what people need. It does give me a lot of hope. It's such a difference from what you hear on the news. Mainly what we hear out of the media these days is abuse of power, waste in government. We see people who are manipulating democracy and our government for their own ends. And I don't see that happening at the county level. So much of the work of county board, as well as all of the people who work for the county is devoted to identifying what is the most effective, most efficient, most cost-effective way to provide services for as many people as possible. I am absolutely awed, and it does give me a lot of hope. So I don't discount the news. Obviously, there is abuse out there that's happening. But what I see on the day-to-day -day level on the county board is people just working hard to do the best by the citizens of Eau Claire County. I've seen a kind of interesting thing go on nationally. The conservative edge of our politics has been emphasizing that there should be more state power, that the federal government doesn't know what's going on locally, so the state should have more power. It's called states' rights in traditional language. You're working with the county within the state, and I think there's 72 counties in Wisconsin. What have you experienced in terms of the respect for local power? I think probably the one thing that has been most disappointing about being on the county board and functioning at the county level is that the county is limited to authority that is given by the state. So if the state says we can't enact a living wage, then we can't enact a living wage. It kind of ties our hands at being able to address injustice and to correct things that we know need correcting on a local level. A lot of the county action has been passing resolutions to present to the state for action. I guess an example 
and a concern that the citizens voiced with the vehicle registration fee was, well, just up the taxes and gas tax or charge trucks more, you know, because they're the ones that tear up the roads. But that's not a power that the county has. The only power that the county has is to petition the state to make those kinds of changes. And so it feels like our our hands are tied in so many ways to make practical changes. So it behooves citizens to not only express their concerns and their opinions on a county level, but a lot of those things need to be presented to the state legislators to make uh, those kinds of changes. The county does have whatever power that the state allots, and so action is taken in those particular areas. But I was surprised to see the extent of the limits to what can be done practically on a county level. I think you already said, Martha, that this was not what you anticipated doing with your retirement. Does it feel like you're retired when you've got county board procedures and committees and general meetings? How much does this cramp your retired lifestyle? Actually, I feel that this experience has augmented my life. I like to learn, and I've been learning a lot about subjects that I never, ever thought that I would be paying attention to. The issue of the CAFOs. I learned a lot about the presentations about evaluation of water quality in the county. There is anticipated to be a study of water flow and how our water supply is jeopardized by various activities that happen in the county. And so I learned a lot about geology, and I know a whole lot more about highways than I ever used to. So I look forward to the issues that come up as an opportunity to learn. I think the next one is going to be the pros and cons of possible legalization of marijuana. Now, that's not something that the county has power to do. That's something the state will have to do. But I always look forward to the information that I get about what's coming up on the county board. I don't feel that my retirement enjoyment has been jeopardized at all. I totally love dialogue that takes place at the meetings. I've met many, many wonderful people. So it's been a really great experience. And it's wonderful, as always, to talk to you. Because we're local, we get to do this periodically anyhow. It's wonderful to see your work. I'm really honored that you are representing the County of Eau Claire as a county board supervisor. Thank you so much, Martha. Thank you, Mark. That was Eau Claire County Board Supervisor Martha Neiman, new this past year, sharing about the promise of world healing through engagement with local government, a lesson and inspiration, I hope, to folks all around the USA. We'll talk to two more county board members in just a moment for Spirit in Action, but please remember to check out our links on the NorthernSpiritRadio.org website. Listen to any of our programs of the past almost 14 years, including a previous interview with Martha Neiman. Also on the NorthernSpiritRadio.org website are links to stations who carry our programs, a place for you to add your voice by commenting on our programs, and a donate button so you can help this entirely listener-supported work continue. But first, support the local community radio stations so vital in free and open media. It's vital work, and they deserve to be high on your donation list. Start there. Now, on to our second county board member, Sandy McKinney, a progressive force now in her second term. You'll learn more about her as Sandy McKinney joins us by phone for today's visit. Sandy, it's wonderful to have you on Spirit in Action. Maybe this is your third time on Norton Spirit Radio. Do you recall? 
Oh, thank you, Mark. I'm remembering, of course, my Song of the Soul, which was the first time at the very beginning of your programming. I'm remembering I brought someone into the office for Spirit in Action. I'm not really remembering who that was or what that program was. Well, you've had a hand in nurturing Norton Spirit Radio in so many ways, including when I invited you to be on our board of directors, Lothos, many years you said, oh, good, I get to go to another committee meeting. (laughs) Right. You are the rarest of animals on this planet who likes to attend committee meetings. I do like to go to meetings. It's a great way to learn and meet new people. Well, thank you for that service. Thank you for your service to Unity Christ Center for so many years. And now that you retired from that, you get to relax by being on Eau Claire's County Board. Right. What a nice way to kick back. Well, and I did take that on my last year at Unity, so there was the final year of full-time ministry in serving on the county board. Yeah, and before that, about a year earlier, you had run for the city council in Eau Claire, and I think you lost by seven votes or something like that. I had to go to a recount. (laughs) And if people only realized what a difference you can make at the local level, city council or the county board, I would think that there'd be a lot more people stepping forward and voting. The vote turnout for local elections is abysmally low, unfortunately. How was the turnout this past year when you were re-up? Oh, and that may be true until this past year. We had an incredible turnout. I think the highest in Eau Claire history at our spring election this year. So I'm seeing that as a ray of hope for the future, that that will continue. I have to say, it's certainly not the theology of unity, but fear can be a wonderful motivator. I have a feeling that so many people feeling daunted, feeling contraried. What led you to volunteer to be on city council, which you you actually didn't get elected, but on the county board? I was actually called and asked if I would consider running. It isn't something I had ever thought of doing. And I remember when that phone call came, my first response was, really? <laughs> as far as considering running. and But sat down and talked with um, a group of people who were very involved at that time in the city council. It was folks who were younger, who had been involved for some time. I said yes to support them. It was A lot of things going on in Eau Claire at that time that were getting some pushback, like some of the improvements that were happening downtown. And so they were looking for people who would be supportive in voting for some of the things they wanted. So I really said yes to the run. And it was through that experience of running and losing that was really my first venture to anything I would call the least bit political. Although I do now think that there's politics and everything, (laughs) including church. That's how it all began. And the loss, it's a public loss. found that really challenging to deal with because I think it brings up a lot of losses that you've had in your life. So you're going through a grieving period, I think, after a loss like that. But I wouldn't trade that experience. And when they came the next year to see if I would run for an at-large seat for city council, I said no because it would be running against those folks who were supporting me. And uh, then the offers was, well, you know, there's a county board seat open in your district where you live, and there's no one running. I said, now what I could do, no opponent. (laughs) (laughs) That's an election I can win. (laughs) 
that's the softer, easier way to do it. And in my second term, because those are two-year terms, I also didn't have an opponent. Well, that does make it a little bit easier. Right. By the way, I understand this past year at the election, so many things are going on really transforming the local landscape here in this corner of Wisconsin. The sheriff was running unopposed, and I had several people write me in for sheriff. <laughs> just trying to think of a Quaker sheriff, I, that would be just really something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you feel now that you've had, what, two and a half years or so into serving on the county board? You know, I'm learning a lot. I went in so inexperienced, knowing really little about county government and how it's all orchestrated. But we have opportunities for trainings all the time, which I've taken advantage of. And just everyone was so supportive that has been serving for years, especially mentored by Colleen Bates, who's been there for over 30 years, and just is a wealth of knowledge and really helpful to those of us who are brand new. So there's a learning curve involved, and I'm sure it would be that way for everyone. Are there any parts of it where you felt particularly frustrated that, wow, why can't the county actually do something about this? I think what I first recognized in my first year was, especially with human services, how little attention and finances were given to prevention. You know, we're continually doing work mandated by the state in the human service field, but I saw little or nothing being done for prevention so that we would continually be having these issues for generations. So I would bring that up occasionally. And while there's still, I don't think, enough attention and money put towards prevention, I am at least now hearing that they're looking at different models of doing things that may be part of looking at prevention in the future. And, of course, that is one of the committees you serve on for the county, the Human Services Committee. And that goes back a while. You've had a varied history in terms of employment. You've worked quite a few different jobs along the way, including how many years were you either a spiritual teacher or actually minister for Unity Christ Center? Fifteen years. But then in my early 70s, I was in the alcohol drug working in a treatment center with clients coming through that program. So I ran the aftercare for that treatment center. So those are really the beginnings of kind of my work in that field, which really relates to human service field today. And I do want to encourage people to go to NordenSpiritRadio.org, search for Sandy McKinney. You'll find various columns she's written for our local newspaper, and she reads and shares. You'll find my Song of the Soul interview with her from the first year of the existence of Northern Spirit Radio. And so you'll hear something about that involvement with drug and alcohol abuse. But amongst the things that I know were passed in your tenure, wasn't that when the advocacy of the living wage, I think it was, at the county level, wasn't that when that was passed? Well, when I first got on the board, the work that had been being done the couple years ahead of my election, I mean, they did a lot of work on living wage before I was there. But in uh, my first year of serving on county board, is when the living wage ordinance came to a vote. And so I really got to learn the structure of how a resolution and an ordinance comes into being and the process of moving it up to being voted on at board level. And so that was a good education in that first year. 
and then listening at committee meetings and how the testimony that was coming forth from the organizations and businesses who were really fighting a living wage ordinance being adopted. Did that change your point of view on it? Did that lead to revisions and what could be approved? No, I think for me the educational piece was we were only looking at adopting a living wage for organizations whose contracts with the county exceeded 30% of revenue. So it was a very limited number of companies that were going to be impacted. And I think everyone had the perception that, oh, we're going to have a living wage for everyone countywide. It wasn't going to impact the county itself and their employees until the fifth year. So the county was already doing a good job at the wages they pay. This was for businesses who contracted with the county. But to get that through was saying something then, I think, to the community and to businesses in the community that we support people making a living wage and that businesses have a role in that. Then, as you well know, it was not that long afterwards, maybe the next year, that the state came along and said counties can't do that. Counties don't have the right to make those kind of laws. So that was frustrating. It does seem that at the legislative and even at the governor's office formerly that there was a significant effort to reduce local power, which I found very interesting. It seems very counter to what I thought was the message of specifically the Republican Party. How was that received at the county level when that was approved by the state? Yeah, it gets very frustrating, and it's not just at that level of what you have the power to do. It's also you have to meet mandates that the state gives you, and yet the state says you can't increase taxes. So how do you figure out where you get the resources to provide the services that are mandated? So that comes into play in many areas. An example of that is the recent work that needed to be done on county roads. All the county roads were seeing deterioration, and we weren't able to come up with the resources to meet the costs, yet the state's saying, well, we're not sending you any more money. In fact, we're taking some of your road money. <laughs> so that's how the vehicle registration fee came into play, which I've really noticed in my three years that the public really doesn't comment much or give input to things that are seriously going to impact their lives until the last minute. It's like, we could be talking about this stuff all along, You know, it's when it's going to come to a vote. I think each individual citizen needs to take responsibility in really knowing what's going to be coming up for votes in the future. And you can do that very easily at looking in the county's website and see what things are going in front of committees, you know, what topics are being discussed rather than waiting until it gets to the night of a vote. It's usually too late by then. They need to be inputting all along when issues come up. So you serve on three different committees, Human Services, Aging Disability Resource Center, and the Judiciary and Law Committees. Obviously, Human Services, we've talked a little bit about. Are there things that are going on in terms of the other two that you've been able to have a hand in and ear to the ground and have hope for the future because of what's happening there? In much of this, I take responsibility myself for not knowing much about until I got involved on the board as a supervisor. The Aging and Disability Resource Center is an incredible resource for people in our community, providing all kinds of services for people of low income, people aged, people with disabilities. And much of that money is from the federal government, so it's not even tax levy dollars that are supporting that work. And just an incredible resource 
for people. So my role on that board has been more of a marketing role. It's like I want people in this community to know this resource is here. So that was something I learned with that one. Judiciary and law, you know, right now they're starting to talk about a need to increase the number of beds in the jail because they have to send people now out of the county, which is very expensive compared to what it would be to house. But as the Judiciary and Law Committee, we're looking at, you know, if we keep doing things the way we always do them, nothing's going to change. So we need to start looking at why are we incarcerating the number of people we are? Are there things we can change? We know we have treatment courts. Can they be better utilized? So I think it's fun to be able to maybe look at new ideas, things that haven't been decided before, look to other communities, other states, and what's working in other places where we're doing things better maybe. So which actions that you've been party to as part of the county board have been the most energizing and fruitful and you could go home saying, yes, I just participated in something good? Oh, the living wage. <laughs> <laughs> to be the best, because <laughs> that meeting went till 1.30 a.m. when we did the final vote on that. So it had a lot of opposition, and usually there's effort to postpone something when people don't want it to go through. With the idea of you keep pushing it off, it won't ever happen. And the postponement vote after six different amendments was like 15 to 14. <laughs> so by one vote... <laughs> to carry forward that night and ended up passing that night. So that was the most exciting one I've been part of. And sad then, of course, when the state came around later saying, well, you can't do that. Any other resolutions or actions that you've been particularly happy to be part of? Well, I was part of the writing of a resolution that actually came through Human Services, so I introduced it with another supervisor. That was the transgender issue, and so that was adopted through a committee I was asked to set on, a committee of many people in the community, to address that issue. So that first committee meeting was organized by the president of the school board, and so as county board supervisors, the two of us then were part of the writing of that resolution and the fact sheet, and then that goes through the county attorney, and then it comes through committees. And so two of those committees I was on, Human Service and Judiciary, were the two committees that introduced the resolution. So you have the process of pulling those through committee and those committees signing off and then the resolution coming to the board for a vote. So that whole process takes several months. Of course, that was a vote that was unanimous tonight. It was presented to the full board. That gave me an understanding of how that works. And could you say what the resolution was specifically about? Transgender, yes, but more specifically? Specifics was that it would be illegal for organization or business to provide counseling that tries to change, I think they call it conversion therapy, and that that's illegal in Eau Claire County now for a minor. And that passed unanimously. Unanimously without any pushback. Now that I understand did not happen when it went to city council, which also passed it, but had some controversy at city level from mm -hmm. clergy. Are you aware at all of this having happened in other cities nationwide or counties throughout Wisconsin? Is this something that's very different about Eau Claire or is it a wider phenomenon? 
Oh, I think we, we saw it with the spring election. It's a wider phenomenon across the country. But I think Eau Claire is, is really, <laughs> you know, a shining star out there in what we've been able to do as far as the people who are being put in place that are making decisions. You know, just the number of social workers who are now county board supervisors. I find that encouraging. I find so much of it encouraging. And, of course, the groundwork has been built over a number of years. Uh, your work certainly predates long before you were on the county board. But this step-by-step increase locally, it's been so heartening in a time when nationally, for progressives, it's felt like a very discouraging time. I want to thank you for being part of the long-term sustaining of a wonderful vision of world healing and for working on that very specifically. And the fact that you love being part of committee meetings, I think that we just need more people like you in the world. Thank you. (laughs) When I knew I was going to be retiring from ministry, I just think there's something you can bring into the political arena. And you don't even have to do it with words. I think it's an energy. And I, I believe that that energy is needed in all settings. That's what I felt I could bring if I never even opened my mouth at a meeting. I can bring in an energy that's a positive and loving, and we need that in all forms of government. Well, I'm grateful that you're bringing that to Eau Claire County, that you bring it to your involvement with Jonah, that you've brought it so much to so many people through unity. You've really been a blessing to us and blessing to me specifically as part of Nerd and Spirit Radio. Thank you so much, Sandy. Thank you, Mark. Sandy McKinney is so inspiring and a rich supporter of our community by her work on the Eau Claire County Board and in so many other ways. Of course, for many listeners out there, you may or may not be able to identify the forces for world healing serving in your counties. And more is the pity if you can't, because local government can be a tremendous force for good, much more responsive to your inspiration and advocacy than state and national politicians. We've got one more county board member to speak to today for Spirit in Action. This is the first time I'm sitting down with Don Maury for Northern Spirit Radio, although I've witnessed his dedicated work in the community for years. For this segment, we're headed over to the University of Wisconsin, Eau Claire, to speak with County Board Supervisor Don Maury. Don, thank you so very much for joining me for Spirit in Action. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for the invitation. You're part of the crew that was hired to the county board just last year. What led you to join in that effort on the county level? I guess I wanted to maintain a connection to the Eau Claire community. In addition, I'm part of Clear Vision Eau Claire. I've been on the board of that organization since 2007. Several people had approached me about running. I live in Brunswick town, and... They encouraged me to run, and and, uh, the incumbent person had been in the position for 33 years. I just got the sense that constituents as well as the other county board members thought it was time for a change, so I decided to run after I retired. You won the election because you got 364 votes and Gordon only got 295. If people can make contact with 364 supporters, you can get into such an office, which can make a tremendous difference on the county level here in Eau Claire. 
Do you have a large extended family of 363 people? No, and I know some of my neighbors, but I'm certainly not a lifelong resident of Brunswick Town, and I didn't go to school with some of the people that I knocked on their doors. It was a matter of just trying to knock on as many doors as I could and talk to people and send a couple mailers out and, and try to get my name out there. How much money do you have to spend to win an election like that? It's so daunting to think of what you have to spend to become a U.S. House of Representatives or Senator or President. I mean, there's so many millions. And to be a county supervisor, how much does it cost in your case? In my case, I didn't want to spend more than 2000 because then I'd have to do quarterly reporting. But I think I spent in the neighborhood of $1,200. And I was worried about raising funds at the beginning, but it just seemed like the more I got out there, people volunteered and time and talent and treasure. So I was able to raise funds without too much effort. Well, speaking of time and talent, I want to revisit some of your background, the stuff that prepared you. You are now a professor emeritus from UW-Eau Claire from the Social Work Department, and you just turned 68 recently. In the first 68 years of your life, there's a lot that prepared you to be able to do this, I think, well. You were born in Nebraska. Could you quickly visit your travels through the Naval Academy, through Mississippi, into Colorado, and then coming to Wisconsin? Kind of in a nutshell, I spent my first 18 years in Beatrice, Nebraska, and it was an excellent place to grow up, good family environment. Won an appointment to the Naval Academy and did not finish, but I still had, once you start your third year, you have a military obligation. So I was an active reserve enlisted person in NAS Meridian, Mississippi, a storekeeper. And then once I completed my military obligation, my sister was living in Denver, and I said, well, might as well go there. She can get me, maybe she can get me an interview for a job, which she did. And I was hired at a facility that worked with children and young adults with developmental disabilities. And I furthered my education. I finished a business degree at, in, when I was still in Mississippi at Mississippi State. They had an extension at Meridian and a psych degree at Metropolitan State College, which is now Metropolitan University in Denver. Then uh, kind of uh, followed my wife. We got married and moved to Boston, and she had a placement there. She had an MSW from Smith and worked there, did some odd jobs, and, and then it was my turn to go to graduate school. I also worked as a protective services worker in the greater Boston area, Got accepted at a few graduate schools, came to Madison, and did my MSW, and also decided to, to go into the doctoral program. And this was my first employment here at Eau Claire, and I stayed here for over 28 years as a professor. One more thing, and this concerns your election. There has been an unfortunate tendency by a significant portion of the population to disparage the intellectual elites. And given that you were a professor for so many years, that you've got uh, masters and PhDs and head of the social work department, you might be able to be tarred as being an intellectual elite. Was that an issue? You know, you're running, you, essentially your area is a rural area. It's not city and there's been a very unfortunate divide that has been driven between city people and rural people. 
was that kind of thing an issue when you were running for office? I don't think so. I have to admit that the incumbent did not seem to have an active campaign. I think he put out yard signs, but it was almost last minute. And I was out there knocking on doors for months. But I think I listened to what my constituents, and I I represent all of Eau Claire County, not just the towns that I was elected to, District 9, but I listened to what people's concerns were, and I'm trying to carry those concerns to the county board, try to develop action. For example, rural broadband. There's an urban-rural divide in many respects, not just internet access, but there's also a rural-rural divide. I live in a rural area, and my telephone company ran fiber optic to my house <laughs> years ago. Yet, a few miles from me, people have no access to high-speed internet, and the only service they have is, is very slow, and it hardly works for email. I was aware of it, but that was one of the issues that people brought home to me, is that that, that, that seemed unfair. Some people even said, if we had known this, we would not have moved here. And I know other examples where people have chosen not to move into an area without high-speed internet. And the reason I'm asking this, I'm wondering if you can come up with an example, a clearer illustration. Part of the issue with the intellectual elites is that they think they know better and they don't have to listen to people. So it really is important for me to know and to let people know that being well-educated does not mean you're not a good listener. Yes, and I think my basic social work background is I've been trained to be a good listener. And I've also gone through training that comes out of the Center for Democracy at Augsburg. So training based on some old organizing, community organizing principles. So learning how to do one-on-ones and and really listening to people and trying to get to know them and what drives them and what their passions are and interests. So I've been trained to be a good listener, whether it be funding for roads or extending high-speed internet into rural areas. There's a lot of issues that we're looking at at the county board level that need a lot of education and and listening. Of course, education is a two-way street. You have to listen so you can know what needs you can serve, what changes need to be made. And you also have to educate enough people because you've got to bring together a consensus for effort. Could you talk to our listeners for Spirit in Action about what your platform was and what changes you've made? You've been on the county board here in the county of Eau Claire and state of Wisconsin now for some eight months what kind of changes have been happening, and are they the direction that you originally intended? Yeah, I think that, you know, when I was knocking on doors, canvassing, several issues came up repeatedly. One was high-speed internet and kind of the rural-rural divide, as well as rural-urban. Another was uh, maintaining roads and our highway system, our infrastructure. A third was opportunities for youth, and that gets into things like broadband, but also maintaining 4-H programs because parents who live in rural areas are not always able to drive their children into and have access to all the opportunities that are available to youth in the city. And 4-H is kind of a mainstay of programming for youth in rural areas. So those things have come up and, and kind of selected my committee assignments, or at least I requested committee assignments as part of my supervisor responsibilities that reflect those. So I'm on the Human Services Committee, And that aligns with my background in social work and uh, my interest in things like developing alternatives to incarceration, not opening another pod of the jail because we'll just fill it if we open it, 
I'm on the extension committee to try and be a champion for those programs, especially the ag education and 4-H. And I'm also on Beaver Creek, which is providing a real resource for residents of the county in terms of outdoor education and outdoor experiences. And since we have listeners all across the United States, Beaver Creek Reserve, Eau Claire County Youth Camp, it used to be called and maybe still is, most of us know it locally as Beaver Creek. So what other issues have you been involved at that are on the cutting edge for the county of Eau Claire, again, state of Wisconsin? I think there's a couple. One is not part of my supervisory responsibilities, but I'm a board member for Clear Vision Eau Claire, which is an organization that basically formed about 10 years ago and did a 10-month community visioning and strategic planning, came up with six uh, key performance areas, 125 action steps. So I've been with that organization, and, and we can point to things like a free bicycle map that you can pick up in your bike store that maps the safe routes in the county as well as ones to avoid. The sculpture tour was developed by someone who was influenced by one of the Clear Vision Summits, the Poverty Summit, which just concluded recently. And so there's three groups that are still working actively on their projects. And the Confluence Project, which was an original idea of, of having shared facilities and a, the need for a performing arts center. There's also you know, was identified a major event center, which might happen in terms of a Sonatech Center and a convention center. So hopefully those might appear in the future. Again, it's been about eight months that you've been on the county board. Has Eau Claire changed in terms of its direction? I'm thinking both the city and the county. I don't have anything to compare it with in terms of yardstick. I wasn't that aware of what the county board does before I was elected. I had some awareness. I tried to attend some of the committee meetings and, and to get some sense of it. It's a large operation. It touches a lot of our lives in many ways. And I can say that I'm pretty impressed that the county board does have a long-range vision and plan and that they've taken some steps to try and achieve goals. For example, it was not an easy vote to make, but the board did elect to institute a vehicle registration fee of $30 per vehicle. That was not easy for supervisors to vote on, but the state has left us very few alternatives because of levy limits and because of reduction in funding from the state for county and local roads. It's kind of like your hands are tied. You've also been on the county board when there's been resolutions and other efforts presented which are not just about roads, not about the nitty-gritty, but they're about general policy. Could you talk about your connection to any of those efforts? Yes. You know, I spoke to one, which was a fair maps initiative, trying to eliminate gerrymandering and to encourage the state to consider a system such as Iowa's, where it's a nonpartisan board that establishes the lines for electoral districts. There's also, I think there was a resolution advising the city and the state to make conversion therapy illegal. And as a Social scientist, I know the research, and I, there's no basis for that. In fact, it's damaging. Conversion therapy is an attempt to try and force someone who identifies as gay or lesbian or transgender to change their sexual orientation. It doesn't have any scientific basis, in fact. So when you're elected to the county board as a supervisor, you get a two-year term, you're 68 now, and that means maybe by the time uh, you'd finish your term, you'll be 70. 
Can you see this continuing a couple terms into the future? I can. I think there's some things that I would like to see happen that have not happened yet. One would be having equal access to high-speed internet for all county residents. I'd also like to see us develop more alternatives and utilize existing alternatives to incarceration. And I personally have been planning to start a community-based reentry program that would be based in, in churches and people of faith, synagogues and mosques, whatever. But I really think that if the community got more involved in the issues that we are facing, we'd have more success in providing that kind of wraparound to people who need help in getting back on their feet. A part I haven't asked you about yet, Don, is your connection to spirituality, religion, that larger sense of community with the alternative view. Do you continue your connection with the Unitarian Universalists here in Eau Claire, and have you been connected with Jonah, the congregational-based organizing group that for the Chippewa Valley is called Jonah and for the states called Wisdom? Yes, that is a, a mainstay of my spiritual beliefs is the Unitarian Universalist congregation, and that helps to anchor me and to help me in, in terms of setting goals for myself and for my work in the community. And I'm currently serving as president of the board at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation. The UUC is a member of Jonah, and I work closely also with several people who are affiliated with Jonah. Sarah Ferber is an organizer for Expo, a statewide uh, deputy director, I think. So I'm working with her and others around this whole area of reentry. Well, we're only scratching the surface of what Don Maury has done. We haven't even talked really about your service learning help, your work with education. There's alternative schools you've been working on. There's work with people in AmeriCorps. We could go on and on, but I'm trying to keep this a little bit closely focused on the county. But I think that we're fortunate to have in Eau Claire County you representing us with the wealth of knowledge, with the wealth of experience, and with the wealth of both spiritual and practical knowledge that leads us in a good direction. Thank you for taking on that task. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to serve. Don Maury rounds out our visit with three of the recently elected progressive members of the Eau Claire County Board. Earlier, we talked to Martha Neiman and Sandy McKinney. I hope that this glimpse of the promise of local government participation is inspirational and motivational to you and wherever you're listening to this from because there is so much potential for improvement right there within your easy reach. Major production help for this program came from Catherine Thomas, so great thanks to her and to our three guests, and we'll see you all next week for Spirit in Action. The theme music for this program is Turning of the World, performed by Sarah Thompson. Check out all things Spirit in Action on northernspiritradio.org. Guests, links, stations, and a place for your feedback, suggestions, and support. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark Helpsmeet, and I hope you find deep roots to support you to grow steadily toward the light. This is Spirit in Action. With every voice, with every song, 